And we start the show with DeMarco Murray. Yes, everyone agrees after the last show. Everyone agrees with me that Adrian Peterson has a low floor because of his age and his mileage. And his ceiling is capped because he doesn't catch passes. Everyone agrees. Before that show, everyone agreed that the risk factors surrounding Le'Veon Bell were higher than most people perceived and were talking about. But yet, everyone agrees with me when I point out the flaws of an Adrian Peterson, of a Le'Veon Bell, but still, DeMarco Murray is not a top five running back. No, 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 no. You, you haven't done enough to convince me. You haven't knocked out enough players. Yes, I agree. DeMarco Murray isn't the most exciting running back we've seen in fantasy football. But he has the highest floor. The other options are flawed. And everyone agrees with those things. Everyone agrees that DeMarco Murray has a high floor. I was just on the Rotoviz radio show. I co-hosted the show with Matt Friedman, my good friend Matt Friedman. And we talked to Pat Mayo about DeMarco Murray. And Pat Mayo agreed. DeMarco Murray has one of the highest floors of any of the, any of the running backs available in 2015. But he wasn't prepared to, to push DeMarco Murray ahead of players like Arian Foster, even. So the issue I'm having convincing people that DeMarco Murray should be the first overall running back is that we have to go through and knock out every single other option. That's how a process of elimination works because you reach the conclusion that DeMarco Murray should be the first overall running back through a process of elimination. And when on the Rotoviz radio show, I didn't have time to go through all the running backs ranked ahead of Murray on Pat Mayo's board, for example. I didn't have a chance to explain why each and every one of the running backs listed ahead of DeMarco Murray was a riskier proposition. We only had 20 minutes. And unlike this show, on Rotoviz Radio, I had a co-host. And I had to respect the time of the guest. I had to respect the time and the attention span of the audience. But not on this show. <laughs> on this show... If I want to lament the over-attribution of credit to coaches for 45 straight minutes, I can do that. Because this is my show. I share it with nobody. Oh, actually, I do have a co-host. Yes, this is, this is, a, this is a shared space. I'm gonna, let's send it over to my co-host. What do you think about that? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Fascinating. <laughs> yep, just me in here. I am only... <laughs> I only answer to one person, Matt Kelly. I can talk about whatever I want for as long as I want to talk about it. <laughs> so, we can do this. We can do this whole exercise. We can do the entire process of elimination on DeMarco Murray. Oh, as tedious as it is, we're going to do it. Because we have to. We have to. <laughs> Go through the exercise of eliminating all of the other reasonable options at the running back position in 2015. Because again, this is not about how amazing I think DeMarco Murray is. He is simply the best of imperfect options. We've already knocked out Le'Veon Bell because 
He's already scheduled to miss at least two games. Hello? And he is both a heightened injury risk and a substance abuse risk. And the Steelers' offense cannot possibly be as prolific in 2015 as it was in 2014. It's not possible. And we've already knocked out Adrian Peterson because my dad said so. Even though Mike Clay's dad said the opposite. So now we're on to the next guy. We have to knock everybody out. That's the show. The next guy, Jamal Charles. Jamal Charles is good. I like Jamal Charles. Jamal Charles is, I think, the number three running back overall. If you're doing our running back rankings, we are dropping our redraft rankings on playerprofiler.com. Please check it out. The redraft rankings will be up ideally today, if not by the end of the week. I promise July 1st, and we like to deliver on our promises on playerprofiler.com when we're not delivering on them. But otherwise, we do like to deliver on them unless we don't deliver on them. Anyway, I like Jamal Charles. I liked Jamal Charles last year. I had Jamal Charles as my second running back last year after Matt Forte. I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a Jamal Charles fan, okay? But the fact of the matter is, he is an aging, low BMI running back who is starting to build a real history of injuries which are now costing him games. And it matters, especially when a player like Jamal Charles is well on the wrong side of the age apex. We've talked about this in previous shows. The age apex for running backs is actually 25 years old. They peak very young and then it's a slow it's it's a very fast ascent to age 25 peak performance and then it's a slower descent and even though it's a slower descent it's been a number of years since jamal charles was at the age apex he's going to be 29 years old during the season yes <laughs> believe it or not i i feel old just saying that makes me feel old because i remember when jamal charles was a kid i remember playing catch with jamal charles when he was just learning how to how to throw a baseball i don't know why i said that that's a total lie i don't know wh what why i thought that would even be funny because that that was a complete and utter lie i don't know why i said it and i'm going to go ahead and move on now so the other problem with jamal charles is okay so Aging, low BMI running back. Now, we've also talked about on previous shows how difficult it is for running backs to produce in otherwise low-volume passing offenses like places like Cleveland, Houston, Seattle, Kansas City. It's difficult. It, it really handcuffs you as a running back when the offense as a whole isn't prolific. So now, Running backs that can overcome bad offenses typically are like Marshawn Lynch and like Jamal Charles in previous years. They are historic, prolific, Hall of Fame talents. Those are the types of running backs that can overcome a low-volume offense to be a top-five running back in fantasy. And Jamal Charles is the all-time NFL leader in yards per carry. He's Mr. Efficiency. But that efficiency was accumulated during a period of time in his career when he put up the huge yards per carry totals, the huge yards per carry stats. That was during his peak years, around age 25, 26, 27. 
But also remember, during that time, Kansas City had one of the best offensive lines in football. For a number of years, during Jamal Charles's prime, Kansas City had an elite offensive line, one of the best in football. And if you want to look back and, and try to figure out what happened to, Mar to Jamal Charles last year, he declined. Jamal Charles went from a running back that was well over 20 fantasy points per game, and then last year he declines to 16.9 fantasy points per game in PPR. And if, if I had to pick a reason why, I believe it'd be the offensive line. He goes from having a top five offensive line to, have an off, to having an offensive line that is merely average. Now, on top of all that, you've got Niall Davis. Niall Davis, I believe, is more of a threat to Jamal Charles and his touches than Ryan Matthews is to DeMarco Murray. Why? Because the number of touches on the Kansas City offense is lower. They run less plays. So as a percentage of total plays, any touches that Niall Davis gets hurt Jamal Charles more than any given touch from Ryan Matthews hurts DeMarco Murray. And I love it. Back to the age curve, though, because that's, to me, the biggest risk. There's a lot about Jamal Charles that is, is now has now become a risk factor. But the biggest one is the age, because I love how we're obsessed with the age curve in the abstract, particularly in Dynasty League conversations. But in reality, when it comes to actually making fantasy picks, making selections in your draft, the age argument often gets pushed out to the furthest reaches of rational thought processes. It's weird how that works. The aging process is simply less perceptible than an enormous catch total or an enormous TD total from the previous season. The age curve slope, again, it starts declining at age 25. He's now almost 29. If it were two years earlier and Alex Smith was Matt Ryan, then sure, put me down for, to draft Jamal Charles with my first overall pick. Gladly, happily, I would run into the draft room and scream and yell and grab Jamal Charles and then run out of the draft room. But that's not reality. The reality is he is a flawed option. On a number of levels, he is flawed. His team is flawed, and he is flawed. So that's why DeMarco Murray is a better bet than Jamal Charles in 2015. The next guy on the list is Eddie Lacy. Other than DeMarco Murray, Eddie Lacy is my my next running back, the running back I like the best. So if I, I my top three running backs are DeMarco Murray, Eddie Lacy, and Jamal Charles. Eddie Lacy is my second-ranked running back because he just doesn't quite have enough opportunity to be ranked ahead of DeMarco Murray. But everything else about Eddie Lacy, you have to love. You have to love Eddie Lacy's opportunity share. That's going up. Last year, his opportunity share was only 65.3%. That was 11th in the league. But did you know that James Starks is almost 30 years old? If you look at the opportunity share, if you go to the if you go to playerprofiler.com and you look at the game log on Eddie Lacy, you can see that the opportunity share in the second half of the season really started to climb. 
Week 12, 90%. Week 13, 88%. Ended the season at Detroit, 78.9%. So this is a guy who, over as the season wore on, he went from having these games where he was literally in week 1, 56%. Week 3, 49%. These weeks where James Starks was active in the, in the first half of the season, Eddie Lacy was getting close to a 50% opportunity share. Opportunity share on playerprofiler.com is of all the total running back targets and carries, what percentage was that player receiving? So while overall Eddie Lacy was ranked number 11 at 65% last year, that is going to climb past 70%. His offensive line last year, the offensive line ranking on playerprofiler.com wasn't great. 94.5, that was 20th in the league. I believe that's going to get better. So there are some things that that throttled Eddie Lacy's fantasy points per game last year. He was 17.1. That was still sixth in the league, even though he had these throttling aspects to it, to his game. I believe once his in, his opportunity increases, and if we project some nominal improvement of the offensive line, then all of a sudden he becomes a lock to be top five, and I believe a lock to be top three. But still, concerns about the offensive line and concerns about his total amount of opportunity are what I believe are enough reason to say, hey, this guy isn't quite at DeMarco Murray's level. Because when you look at the fantasy points per game for Eddie Lacy last year, 17.1, that was driven by unsustainable red zone efficiency. He only had 40 red zone carries, which was only 11th in the league. But he had 13 total touchdowns, which was 3rd in the league. So, Eddie Lacy was the most efficient running back in the red zone in 2014. And that year to year, you just can't project that level of sustainability. But then again, that's the thing with Eddie Lacy. You see these things from last year, these aspects of his game from last year that throttled his fantasy points per game. But then... You see these other, you project him into 2015 and you say, well, this could improve. That could improve. This could all balance out. That's why I really like Eddie Lacy this year. Also, another aspect of Eddie Lacy's game that was throttled was the game flow. Green Bay didn't even run that many plays. They only ran 435 run plays last year. That was 14th in the league. In terms of total plays run, they weren't Green Bay wasn't even in the top 20 last year. So game flow hurt Eddie Lacy in some ways. Now, a lot of the reasons why that they didn't run a lot of plays is because they were trying to run Lacy and they were trying to run the clock out at the end of the game because they were leading. So that's why actually when you think about the game flow changes from last year to this year, it actually helps the passing game more. It helps Aaron Rodgers more. It helps Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson more. But one thing you can project, as you project more passing attempts for Green Bay in 2015, you can project more target volume for Eddie Lacy. He had 42 receptions last year. We're projecting him to have over 50 receptions in 2015. So that's where 
he may get less second half carries in 2015, but he will get more targets. So again, it's balancing out. The positives and the negatives from last year balance out. A lot of the things that hurt Eddie Lacy in 2014 can be cured in 2015. That's why he's my number two running back. And also, like DeMarco, Lacy is one of the few top 10 running backs on the ADP board who actually has age on his side, who actually has efficiency on his side. These other running backs like Matt Forte, we talked about Jamal Charles just now, they're on the wrong side of the age apex. Their efficiency is in decline. That's not the case with DeMarco Murray and Eddie Lacy. That's why they should be 1-2. DeMarco Murray, I think, is clearly number one, but it's not that clear because Eddie Lacy is actually right there. Eddie Lacy is the only player that I think you could make a strong case should be drafted ahead of DeMarco Murray. But for me, Eddie Lacy is still a sliver below Murray because I think DeMarco Murray, generally speaking, holistically, has a better all-around game, has demonstrated in multiple seasons better all-around efficiency and productivity and an ability to handle great volume. We have yet to see Eddie Lacy have a full season with 75% plus opportunity share. So he has yet to prove to us that he is a full-blown bell cow. Again, we talked about the opportunity share last year. He was still sharing a large amount of the opportunity last year with James Starks. DeMarco Murray doesn't have that problem. He showed last year that he can be the bell cow of the bell cows, having close to 400 carries. So on a bunch of levels, DeMarco Murray has proven that he can be the bell cow on a high-volume offense where Eddie Lacy hasn't quite proven that yet. That's the difference between the two. It's a very small difference. like Eddie Lacy a lot, just below DeMarco Murray. Now, Matt Forte, much easier to knock out Matt Forte. See, I'm going down the ADP draft board. I thought Le'Veon Bell, poof, easy to knock him out. Bye-bye, Le'Veon. Adrian Peterson, because your dad said so, please. Jamal Charles, number of red flags make him risky. Eddie Lacy, woo! That's a close call between him and DeMarco Murray. Matt Forte, but we're back. With Matt Forte, we're back to the easy call. We're back to the easy stance. We're back to the easy argument, the easy knockout. Because Matt Forte's efficiency in 2014 cratered. His production premium on playerprofiler.com, the situation agnostic efficiency metric, only plus 5.9. That was 28th in the league to go along with a 3.9 yards per carry and a 17.2% juke rate. 17.2% juke rate, which is evaded tackles per touch, that was 67th in the league. And Matt Forte is going to be 30 soon. His elusiveness has been sapped. It's 
obvious that he is now a, a risk of, of a serious decline. No, he, he already has experienced a serious decline in efficiency, but it's likely that the efficiency decline will continue into his age 30 season and beyond. And that's without even discussing the fact that he lost his offensive coordinator who has a well-deserved reputation for emphasizing RB checkdowns as a priority in read progressions. So Matt Forte's overall volume will decline without Mark Trustman. I don't think there's any I don't think anyone would dispute that. Also, there's a very real possibility that Jake Cutler will be benched this season in favor of in favor of Jimmy Clausen. Jimmy Clausen, the quarterback that we refuse to put on playerprofiler.com. I, I just, as a matter of principle, I refuse to put Jimmy Clausen on playerprofiler.com. I won't do it. You can't, no one can, no one can make me do it. You, you cannot make me do it. Won't do it. Just won't do it. So, who's left? Anyone know who the next quarterback is? David Fails has the word fail in his last name. So that that could be Matt Forte's quarterback for the second half of the season. The Bears are at risk of having a bottom 10 offense with Matt Forte receiving a significant decrease in targets to go along with a, a, a well-demonstrated decrease year over year in his efficiency. So that it's huge red flags, enormous risk. You... I don't believe there, there's any argument for taking Matt Forte ahead of DeMarco Murray. Yet, Matt Forte is being drafted by every ADP that I've seen, every average draft position I've seen, has Matt Forte ahead of DeMarco Murray, and that's just ludicrous. Now, Marshawn Lynch. That's the, that's the last guy you can reasonably say, hey, maybe Marshawn Lynch. And the, and, but the argument against Marshawn Lynch, the anecdotes you hear about Marshawn Lynch is that he's taken an even greater pounding than Adrian Peterson. He runs even more violently. No, he hasn't. Okay? Marshawn Lynch hasn't... His carries don't aren't more impactful to his body because of his running style. That's a complete fallacy. It's not the viciousness of the carries that is an issue with Marshawn Lynch. It's his total number of carries and his age. When you add in playoff carries, Marshawn Lynch has more rushing attempts than Adrian Peterson. That is scary. Beyond the fact that Marshawn Lynch is 29 years old, with 2,000 plus total carries on his odometer when you include playoff games, the problem with him is it's the targets. It's a lack of involvement in the passing game. Marshawn Lynch only had 48 targets last year. That is the problem, drafting a running back in a low-volume offense. It's the same problem we talked about with Jamal Charles. You have to be hugely efficient in all other phases of the game. You have to be great in the red zone. You have to be great first and ten on the 50. You have to be great everywhere. You have to be if to overcome getting less than 50 targets.
But Marshawn Lynch is an efficiency beast. He is. In efficiency beast mode, actually. But you just can't take any member of the Seahawks first overall given their low-volume offense. There's no possible way you can justify taking a player who is well on the wrong side of the age curve, well on the wrong side of the odometer. Total carries have... have Marshawn Lynch's total carries, like Adrian Peterson, have crossed the Rubicon. So those are huge risks. He's at a huge risk of having an efficiency decline, and he's at risk of injury this year for those reasons, on top of the fact that he plays in a low-volume offense. So no way you could justify taking him number one overall, and and I don't see how he's being drafted ahead of DeMarco Murray, but he is! But we've knocked out everybody at this point. We've knocked out Le'Veon Bell. We've knocked out Adrian Peterson. We've knocked out Jamal Charles. We've knocked out Eddie Lacy. We've knocked out Matt Forte. We've knocked out Marshawn Lynch. So that leaves. Drum roll. Drum roll. DeMarco Murray. That's it. He's the one. That's it. We did the whole exercise. That's it. That's what. That's what a process of elimination is. She's eliminated everybody. Except I'm not so sure about Eddie Lacy. I think I might have talked myself into taking Eddie Lacy number one overall. Never mind that. Never mind. Never mind that. I wish I never did the exercise. No. No, I'm confused. No. No. I just talked myself into Eddie Lacy at number one overall. I got to change everything. I gotta delete all kinds of tweets. This is the worst. Oh, has Matt Friedman published this week's episode of Road of His Radio? I gotta text him right now. No, Matt! I've changed my mind! It's Eddie Lacy! No, 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 no. It's still DeMarco Murray. It's just very close. This is very I don't know what to do. They're both good. Everyone, you can feel free to take Eddie Lacy number one. Totally justified. Totally justified. Everything that hurt him last year may or may not hurt him this year. Everything about last year that throttled Eddie Lacy's fantasy points per game will be can and, and will likely be offset this year. Oh my goodness, that's so true. Ugh, jeez. Anyway, DeMarco Murray won A. Eddie Lacy won B. Everybody else, super flawed. Forget about him. How about that? So now, I wonder how I sound right now. That's a question. Because yesterday, officially on iTunes and Stitcher, we now have two versions of this show published. We have an underground version, which is the version you've been accustomed to, where I sound a little scratchy, like I'm coming from a bunker. Then we also have this, what I call the stereo sound. The stereo sound is being published to SoundCloud and then being fed out to via via RSS is being fed out to Stitcher and iTunes. The underground sound is being published to Blog Talk Radio and also is available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you'd like to check out the the new clearer version of me on iTunes or Stitcher, you can do that. You can just search in the the podcast store and you can see a a new version of Roto Underworld Radio is now available so I would suggest you check that out and then you can make a choice 
which version of me you like better. More me, the better is sort of what I'm thinking on this one. And in order to do this all free and do this all very quickly, quick and dirty, in terms of getting these podcasts out because I've become a little overexposed doing all these guest podcasts and then my own podcast and then the website and these articles. So basically what I've done just to, as a shortcut is I now wear two headsets so I can barely even hear myself talk. So you, the, the show might actually, the volume might have even gone up even more because I'm wearing two headsets and it's literally difficult to hear. So I guess a show poll we can do at Roto Underworld on Twitter. You can also email us, rotounderworld at gmail.com. Do you prefer the underground sound or do you prefer the stereo clean sound on SoundCloud? Let me know. We also have a new service on the website. If you want to support me, the show, playerprofiler.com, there is a service that you can utilize called the Concierge Service. It's $60 for the rest of the year, and essentially what that service entails is you get exclusive access to me. Again, if you want more me, if you like me, you want more me, you need more Matt Kelly in your life, go to the concierge service and sign up. I'll give you my my phone number. We'll set up a phone call. We'll talk strategy. Every week, I'll give you ideas for your team in terms of trade ideas or free agent pickup ideas. You can always be available to me via text or via direct message on Twitter with any questions, trade questions, add drop questions, start sit decisions. Yes, even start sit decisions. So I'm going to be phasing out my free help on things like start sit decisions and trade decisions on Twitter and going to be focusing on the concierge clients. That's a way that I can throttle back my exposure and hopefully if I spend less time crouched over my phone that I'll have I'll have more time to do better shows, improve the website, things of that nature. I think that I think everybody is everybody should be in favor of that. The other way that you can support the show, support the site is if you're going to play Daily Fantasy or you know someone who's thinking about playing Daily Fantasy, pull up any player page and click the play button on Marshawn Lynch or ideally DeMarco Murray or Eddie Lacy and that'll send you to DraftKings and or FanDuel. And if you sign up for an account emanating from playerprofiler.com, then I will get a commission and that'll help drive improvements to the site, which is great. Thank you very much. I hope you take advantage of that. Now, I saw an interesting question on social media. Which Eagles players would be good on the Sixers? Because the Sixers right now are a laughingstock. The Sixers are a punchline. They're the most mocked franchise in sports right now because they, they drafted three centers. Oh, my goodness. They took best player available. Oh, no. The Sixers are, are basically implementing all the tactics that good fantasy players implement. They're rebuilding from the ground up. They're accumulating draft picks. They're taking best player available. Oh, those morons in Philadelphia. I wonder which Eagles players would be good in the Sixers at this point. All those Sixers are such bums. I have an answer for that. I want to answer that question. The number of Eagles players that could play for the Sixers, that number is zero. The number is exactly zero, and here's why. Because the best athletes, well, I should say most of the best athletes, most of the best non-quarterback, non-starting pitcher athletes in American sports play basketball. The best, play, the best athletes in, in, 
in American sports are all of the NBA players, plus Aaron Rodgers, Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson, Jameis Winston. I say Jameis Winston and Russell Wilson primarily because they are two sport athletes. They could have either played baseball or football. That To me, that that's huge. I think you have to add in Mike Trout and Bryce Harper and John Carlos Stanton because I think those are three baseball players in particular that could have played professional football if they wanted to. And then I think you throw in Clayton Kershaw. And that's about it. It's less than 10 non-basketball players and then every player in the NBA. Those are the best athletes in U.S. sports. That's the list. And then you'll say, well, well, what about Calvin Johnson? No, 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 not Calvin Johnson. He's not on that list. Why? Calvin Johnson is only 6'5". You know who else is 6'5"? Lakers point guard D'Angelo Russell. If Calvin Johnson was a good shooter and could play point guard, he would be in the NBA. He would have chosen the sport that doesn't hurt. He would have chosen the sport where every Monday morning you can't get out of bed. He would have chosen the sport where on any given play, 11 players aren't trying to tackle you to the ground and create a violent collision with your body to an extent that knocks you out of the game. That's not the goal of the defender in basketball. That's the goal of the defender in football. So no, if Calvin Johnson had his choice, be a professional basketball player or be a professional football player, he would have chosen basketball. Terrell Owens told us this. Terrell Owens came out and said this. He said, if I could have chosen one, I would have been a basketball player. Absolutely. But I'm not good enough at basketball, so I had to default to football. LeBron James had this choice. LeBron James was all state as a sophomore, as a wide receiver in Ohio. And by the time he was a senior, he wasn't even playing football. He said, you know what? (laughs) This is an easy choice to make. I could either play football or basketball. I can even play both if I want. I'm not even going to bother. I love football, and I'm all state, and I'm not even going to bother because basketball is so far superior. You can make more money. It's more fun. You have a higher profile. Everything about playing basketball is better than playing football. And D'Angelo Russell recently was interviewed, and he said he had this choice as, as when he was going through the process in high school of deciding what sports to play. He was a great football player, but he said he, had, he talked to his dad, and it was a no-brainer that, to follow the basketball path, not the football path. So every athlete in the NBA had the choice, or most of them, I should say, A lot of them had the choice, do I want to play football or basketball? They all chose basketball. NFL players had the same choice. They wanted to play basketball. Most of them played basketball all the way through high school with the dream of playing basketball. And then only once the basketball dream is squashed are players like Terrell Owens and Calvin Johnson forced to default to football. Think about it. Think about the best players in the NBA if they were on a football field. LeBron James at tight end or wide receiver? LeBron James would make Calvin Johnson look like a slot receiver. Calvin Johnson would look like Lance Moore next to LeBron James. Dwayne Wade at receiver? Imagine Dwayne Wade. 
He's bigger and more explosive than Julio Jones. He would dominate Julio Jones. It would be an easy decision, Julio Jones or Dwayne Wade at receiver. Dwayne Wade, easy, easy. Imagine pre-injury Derrick Rose. He would tower over Odell Beckham. You'd much prefer Derrick Rose over Odell Beckham. Imagine Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook at running back? Can you imagine Russell Westbrook at running back? You've seen, oh, look at that hurdle. Oh, look at Le'Veon Bell hurdle that running Can you imagine Russell Westbrook hurdling defenders in the open field? He would have been better than Barry Sanders. And I don't even think it would be that close. The basketball players are our peak performers in athletics. And I think they, they tower over the rest of the athletes in society. Again, just ask Terrell Owens. Now, Tevin Coleman. I'm still hearing people mocking Tevin Coleman. I'm still here. I get buzzard messages, tweets, emails. Tevin and Coleman won't be able to score all those long touchdowns at the NFL level. It's like a broken record. Duh! No, I don't think Tevin Coleman will rush for 2,000 yards this year like he did in college. No, I don't think Tevin Coleman will average 7-plus yards per carry at the NFL level. No, obviously, what Melvin Gordon and Tevin Coleman did at the college level won't be replicated at the NFL level. I never said that. Who's making that argument? Just like what Barry Sanders did at the college level and what Marcus Allen did at the college level wasn't replicatable at the NFL level, obviously. Just changing the argument, moving the goalposts, or keeping the goalposts the same, trying to make the goalposts exactly the same. These are not college goalposts. These are professional goalposts. I thought the argument was that Tevin Coleman is the number three running back in this rookie class. That's been my argument from the beginning. How did the argument get changed is my question, buzzards. No, I don't necessarily think Tevin Coleman is a future 2,000-yard rusher at the NFL level. Who's saying that? Who would say that? It's ridiculous. How many 2,000-yard rushers come along? Even DeMarco Murray... Getting close to 400 carries last year couldn't eclipse 2,000 yards. Come on! It's just frustrating when these arguments shift into simply stating the obvious. You try to make a well-reasoned, thoughtful argument, and you just get bludgeoned with these obvious sports takes. Like, obviously, yes, I, I know that. I know that Tevin Coleman won't be rushing for 2,000 yards and 7-plus yards per carry. But Tevin Coleman could rush for 1,000 less yards this year for Atlanta. And Tevin Coleman's efficiency could be 3 yards per carry with the Falcons, 3 yards per carry less than it was with the Hoosiers. And Tevin Coleman would still outperform his redraft position. Think about that. 